Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. Alrighty. We saw a movie this weekend, guys. It was a movie. Morbius was a movie that we all saw in theaters. It was certainly something I saw, I went to, I uh, spent some time in. There was a movie that came out that was MCU adjacent. Yep. In case you guys didn't know, this was our Morbius Reactions episode. And uh, that mood is pretty much the mood of every fan who's gone to see it. But we're going to dive in a little deeper today about. why we feel the way we do about this movie. Katie, why don't you kick it off? Yeah, and I, you know, I'd love to. So we're gonna, uh, we're gonna start by almost moving backwards because as Taylor said, this is an MCU adjacent film, which means it's not obviously directly in the MCU and therefore it's not the, the same that we normally cover. However, because it is adjacent, it does have effects in the MCU, so from the get-go, that's obviously seen in the, I'm gonna call it the one and a half end credit scenes, just because they were set up the way they were, and you just were like, oh, was that an end credit scene? And then you finally, and then you got the second one, you were like, oh, I guess that was an end credit scene. So, I think if anybody's been following me on Twitter, because obviously I was keeping it calm on our like main account, However, if you were following me on Twitter, you knew my initial reaction right out of the film was, well, it wasn't bad. I'm confused. It was predictable, and it messed up the MCU. <laughs> the four horsemen of Morbius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Essentially. So I, I, I think we should get right into the idea of one of the first trailers that came out, we saw Michael Keaton's Vulture from the get-go. And I think that had opened a lot of questions because we also, I know even during the predictions episode, had to talk about what Spidey universe is this? And I think everybody was trying to figure out, is this a different, like a variant of Vulture in a, in this universe? I didn't even think about that. Oh my God. The whole idea of variants is just messing with me. I know, but like that would have been the easiest scapegoat. And yet they made it worse and were like, no. He came through from the spell. The wrong way. But the spell brought everybody to Tom's, we're going to use first name for the Spideys, universe, which he was already in. (laughs) So I'm confuzzled about why this man (laughs) was selected to be the wrong human to come. But then also, like, to add another layer to that, everybody went back. But the way this movie ends, they act <laughs> like he's going to stay there and create a little anti-hero bad guy gang with Morbius. But also if he's a bad guy and Morbius, like the whole point of the movie is that Morbius has a sense of morals and ethics. Why would he work with the Vulture, who he's a kind of complicated villain himself, but like, what? We can get even further into that in a second, but I want to run off of what you just said. 
theoretically speaking, we are Marvel fan theories, so I will go, I, I will give some salt. I don't know, give a little, a little something to to this theory. A little spice. At the end of the day, like yes, to your point, everybody goes back. So the only only way that I could make sense of this, if he doesn't go back, is almost if he had been in the wrong place to begin with. But then that's a whole different complication I don't even want to think about. Then how the heck did he get into the MCU in the first place? Exactly, but that's what I mean. So, like, it's only a theory I'm, I'm throwing out there as a possibility just because I'm like, that's the only way I could make it make sense to some degree is that he was already in the wrong spot and went back. And he, if he'd been in the MCU for as long as he had, there's no – like, because, I mean, he had a family. Clearly, he'd been there for a while. Of course, nobody knows who this guy is in the other universe. I'm not saying I support said theory. I'm just voicing it as like a eh because I'm so confused on why this man came to this universe. And then to your point, bringing in Morbius when he meets up with him and he's like, but I have a feeling it has to do with Spider-Man. Morbius doesn't know who Spider-Man is. So I'm a little confused because another thing to this end credit scene is in the trailer, we do see that Spider-Man graffiti, but that's not in the film. And I was watching for it. Which apparently, now that the film is out and people are obviously talking about it in their conversations online, that was apparently meant to depict Toby. That was Toby Spider-Man. And someone, I, I think his name is Daniel Espinosa, but I'm, no, that's the guy from Lucifer. Sorry, that's the character from Lucifer. But there's someone who was... You're doing great. Yeah, thank you. Was related to Toby's Spider-Man has said like, yeah, I don't know why that was in there. I didn't even know it was in the trailer. And then it wasn't in the movie. So it's like... Sony just kind of threw anything at a wall and was like, what sticks? I know. Well, and that's why when I never saw it in the film, I was like, there is no confirmation there's a Spider-Man in this universe. The only thing we're confirmed, which almost makes it so much worse, is that this is the Venomverse. <laughs> and Venom, who has the hive mind, is why him and, oh my god, why am I, I, I keep on calling Tom Hardy. Not Tom Hardy. Eddie? Eddie, thank you. Because I, I was like, I'm, try, I'm saying the actor. I'm not trying to say the actor. Which is why him and Eddie got brought over into the MCU Tom timeline. Because Venom is connected to Toby's Venom because high brain, they're all like a thing. And so I'm like, okay, this that, that made sense. Once someone explained that to me, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm here and I'm following. We're good. But then he went back too. <laughs> and my biggest problem here is Morbius doesn't know there's a Spider-Man because to our knowledge right now, there isn't one in that universe because I think he would have intercepted, you know, vampires. And I said this in the blog post covering our predictions. Morbius is known for being a villain turned anti-hero. And it's likely for the work that Sony wants to put out, he's going to be anti-hero turned villain. Oh. Well, just because that's the only way they're going to make sense if they're going to put him in a Sinister Six. Well, yeah, I just, that part to me doesn't make sense, like, character-wise. But exactly. I just spent 90 minutes watching this character war with himself because he does not want to hurt people because as a doctor, he took a Hippocratic oath to do no harm. I know. That's why the, his first experiment was on himself because he didn't care if he killed himself. It wouldn't do anything, but he could help people by if the experiment was successful. So the whole time I'm watching this guy, like, worry about hurting people, feeling guilt about the people he's hurt, all that stuff. Why then... In the last 30 seconds, are you going to flip him and say, oh, here he is working with this bad guy? I'm sorry. It goes completely against the characterization that you gave that guy for 90 minutes. 
What's the point? Yeah. I also don't, and actually, well, I want to get into the, what you just said in a second, but you kind of made me think about when you were like, oh, this bad guy. Vulture defended Peter at well, the end of the day. Well, that's what I was saying before. Like, he's a very complicated villain. Yeah. it's They're kind of both, like, in that gray area. So it's like, are they creating the Sinister Six or not? Yeah, because if you're building a team such as the Sinister Six, and keep in mind, we now have technically three in this universe that could be part of it. None of them got beef with Spidey. Well, Venom. Venom clearly felt some things when he saw Tom on the TV. Yeah, but also, that's complicated because Eddie doesn't. Because in the comics, Eddie is the reason he's going after him the way he is. Right. Because Eddie doesn't like Peter. For And even that happens, obviously, in, in Toby's. So it's like... Yeah, you can argue that. I just think that's such a weak way to go about it is to be like, oh, well, oh, Venom, no, I agree. Not I was Eddie. pointing that out as like a quick counterpoint. Yeah. But yeah, no, I agree. But like Vulture moved forward from what happened and even, like I said, defended Peter when he was in jail and didn't give his name out. So it's like, I'm just a little confused on all what he's like, but I think it has to do with Spider-Man. I'm not really sure why, because you just like, what context were you like? Yeah, me appearing in a different universe was 100% Spider-Man's fault. Unless he was affected by the second spell, in which everybody forgets who Peter Parker is. Well, no, I don't dis- I don't think he does it, because I think that's why he says I think it has to do with Spider-Man. But that I, to a degree, don't think... I mean, Spider-Man, the Spider-Man, he n- saved him. Yes, but he wasn't even in, like, the suit anymore, and, like, his face was out. So, like... Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like Peter was not even wearing the mask. Like, yeah, but they they still remember him doing it. They just he might remember it differently. I don't know. For me, I think part of his soft spot for Spider Man was like knowing he was a young kid and that like his daughter knew him and like all this stuff. Like the the kind of personal connections that they had. But without that, then without knowing that identity, like then it's just pure antagonism. I agree. It's a flimsy argument. But I think it needs to be put out there because it it's entirely possible that that's then the argument that Sony will use in order to make this work. Yeah. My question is, like, we've talked a lot about how Sony is really focusing on creating antiheroes. Like, if you even think about what happened in No Way Home, look at Doc Ock, right? Yeah. Not so much Electro and definitely not Green Goblin. Well, kind of. Poor Norman, right? But definitely I think Doc Ock is a good example. They're creating they're sympathizing with their their villains right so maybe instead of creating a sinister six they're gonna let the mcu and tom tackle that maybe that's what's gonna happen but maybe this is the beginning of their little band of anti-heroes that we talked about last time this is the beginning of that forming and now you've got vulture you got morbius you've got venom craven the hunter comes in in a couple years and we've got that Maybe that's what this is, and we've got our little boy band, and then you sprinkle little Andrew on top, and that's what you've got, versus, like, the Sinister Six, because I know we've talked about this, too, like, the people that they're pulling, like Venom, Morbius, I think Vulture's usually in it, but Venom and Morbius especially are not typically members of the Sinister Six in the classic sense. It's more Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Rhino, all those guys, versus, like, the characters that they're bringing in, so it would be a very... I don't want to say B-list, but, like, not the, like, most typical roster. Well, especially after No Way Home. Yeah. When they've, like, obviously confirmed that that wasn't the Sinister Six, but, like, those were all your heavy hitters. Yeah. You brought them in already. And that's why, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I just, 
The only issue is then when he does the whole, and I think it has to do with Spider-Man, there's clearly already an antagonistic thing. So they're not going to have them run around when they're already creating that battle between, oh, well, Vulture's already got beef with Spider-Man. Yeah. You know you know what I mean? Had they not done that, I, I they would just be like, oh, do you want to team up? That would have been a little different, but they had to throw in that line, which means it's for tying into a Spider-Man. Yeah, I just, I keep getting stuck on what's Morbius' beef with Spider-Man. He doesn't like, have he one. Was like, yeah, like, let me join. And then he was like, I was like, why do you care? Why do you care about Spider-Man? Like, I'm wondering if that scene where he's, like, passing by the Spider-Man mural, like, if there were more Spider-Man-involved scenes cut from the film. Like, there... Oh, well, I, I'm also curious. Be. Like, because otherwise this doesn't make sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense the way it's, the movie's cut now. Well, and, and here's what I said to you right after I saw the film, and I said, this ends one of two ways. Somehow, Venom, Morbius, Vulture, and possibly Kraven get pulled into Tom's universe for him to have a form of another Sinister Six in his next trilogy. Or this is going to be like Amazing Spider-Man number three. And you finally give Andrew his his Sinister Six film, which was supposed to be his third one. But I said, nothing else really makes much sense because they're not going to pull Tom's Spider-Man into another universe. That won't make sense. But I also said the issue is going to be Multiverse of Madness is addressing the multiverse. How long are we going to see the multiverse open? Yeah. Because I think we'll see the effects of it for a while, but I don't think we're going to... Like, the ability to cross between the timelines is not going to continue. Yeah. So it's like, the ability for these people to get to different universes is not going to be a permanent thing. I mean, I know we're kind of going back, keep harping on this point, but it wouldn't be a problem if they hadn't brought in Keaton, because... You have Morbius, you have Venom, that's fine. If that's existing in Andrew's universe, then regardless of the state of the multiverse, you can be watching films with Andrew as Spider-Man in his universe and Tom as Spider-Man in the MCU, and they don't have to connect, they don't have to affect one another, it's fine. Still MCU adjacent, it's fine. But now that you have a character who is in the incorrect universe, he has to come back at some point, but is that going to be after whatever they just set up here like what it's almost more simple than that actually Taylor. it wasn't even about keaton it was just about the fact that they confirmed that he was the mcu's vulture yeah how easily could you have just been like oh this is just a variant this is just him in a different universe and everyone would have been like that's fine yeah we're rolling with it that's okay no one's We've arguing got seven loki's why don't we have two vultures i mean we have a a, a loki who looks exactly like our Loki. Two, actually. Yeah, well, I was supposed to say, we have multiples. So I'm like, you can't sit there and, and not say that the possibility of having a Loki looks exactly like that Loki didn't come about. That's It's not. That was the point of showing us that. So you know that you can have a variant who is the same person. I mean, look at the Doctor Strange variants that we've already seen. Yeah. They're all Doctor Strange. And it's all obviously being played by Benedict Cumberbatch. They're not bringing other people in to play the roles. So it's like, it never had to be the way it was. And then this is going to be my last thing on this because I can't keep doing it. This is, It's because it just made me so angry with what happened. And I even, I, I, I was in co at people's comments too, like, someone please explain to me because I don't know if I'm just being stupid or if this just messed up half of what No Way Home did, like, the continuity issues. Like, I was like, somebody help me. But this is the stupidest point I'm going to make, but it still bothers me just as much. If this man never existed in this universe, how did he get a full vulture suit already? I got nothing. I, I got nothing. I mean, because he clearly, not to be rude, but he was not 
the engineering brains. It was, I think his name is the Tinkerer, right? Like, that's who that guy was in the in Homecoming? Yeah. So, like, what did he do? Find another Tinkerer in this universe? Well, where'd he know how to find him if there's not another Adrian Toomes? And how how much time is passing here? Like, if you didn't drive all these, like, points home, it was like, they, they purposely put something in the movie, and then they were like, but the next scene will undo it. It's like, it's like... They sat there and were like, no one knows where this mysterious man appeared. No one knows who he is. So by by literally being like, no one knows who he is, it means, well, no one knows who he is. There is no vulture. Also, and this is also like a dumb, minuscule point, but it really bothered me as well. In the same scene, Jared Leto as Morbius is driving to go meet him in a really nice, like, Tesla. And I'm like, this dude's on the run. Yeah. Where did he get the Tesla from? Did he steal Milo's money? Stop. I said, I said, what is happening? I don't understand. I was like, he's still a criminal. I don't understand. I don't know. I just was like, this movie makes no sense. Well, that's what I mean. Like, that was one of the things for me that I was like, that doesn't make sense. There was not a resolution. Because, like, Okay, I'm not the kind of person who's always like, oh, yeah, I just need everything to wrap up all daisies and, and anything else. But, like, that was the one part that really didn't make sense because I was like, he is a criminal right now. They have him for a murder of at least eight people because they, they might be able to get him off on some of the other ones that were not actually him. But I was like, but he still, whether he meant to or not, killed eight people on the cargo ship. They know it was him. Like, I'm a little unsure why he's just living life. I also like that they, and I get it, he's a doctor, but they never address his wealth until that exact moment. Like, we never see his home. We see his best friend's home, who we see is well off, but we never see his home. We never see him driving a nice car any other time. It's never established that he's got money. Like, and yeah, okay, like I said, you can make these assumptions, oh, he's a doctor, blah, 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 but it's like, this is weird. Like, that's a very distinguishable car. I mean, if I saw someone who was driving that nice of a car, I'd be like, oh, nice car. And then if the police came up to me later, I'd be like, did you happen to see this car make my... I'd be like, actually, yeah. Yeah, it's a memorable car because it's not your average, like, Toyota Corolla. Like, not that there's anything wrong with a Toyota Corolla. There's just, like, 15,000 of them on the street. Well, I was going to say, or, like, our little Ford Fusion. Like, I've seen 9,000 of them. Yeah. Like, I'm not sitting there like, oh, maybe I saw a Ford Fusion today. Maybe I saw seven. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I, I just... I was confused, and I was like, also, how did Vulture, like, get, think, to go to him, and then get his number, and then, like, are we not tracing calls, or do we not have the ability to do, like, I was like, we are in the 21st century, correct? Like, yeah, we, we have the ability to be doing things such as this, that, like, obviously, if, like, there's gonna be intercepting phone calls, stuff like that, we can do that, that's a possibility, so, I don't know, it was weird. It messed with everything, and I just, after the first one, I was already sitting there with my head in my hands, like, shaking my head, literally like, oh my god, what is going on? And then it just got worse. Yeah, Sony just blew up the spot, man. This isn't even the film yet. I know, we just spent 20 minutes on the end credit scenes alone. Which, to be fair, makes sense. Those are the biggest part about the film that tie into the MCU. Yeah. But, oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, let's... Let's move into the the movie proper now, because I know we both have some thoughts on that as well. Katie, why don't you start with yours, and then and then I'll build off of them. Yeah. Okay. So here's here's how I'm just gonna say this. As I said earlier, the film itself is not inherently bad, and the way I've described it to both of my roommates who haven't seen it is that it's like when you have cable, and I this might be a throwback for people because you know it's been a while probably since some people have had cable. But we still have one TV who does. So (laughs) 
And so it's like when you have cable and you're switching through the channels and you're like, oh, this movie's coming on. I haven't seen this movie. And so you click it and it's kind of just on and you're like vaguely paying attention to it. And every once in a while you're, pe- you're trying to pay attention and you're like, but I don't really understand how that just happened. But you're like, oh, whatever. And then, you know, the movie finishes. You don't really think much of it. You're kind of like, oh, well, I, I, you know, that was an hour and a half. And then you move forward with your life. And then someone further down the road mentions the movie and you're like, oh, yeah, I saw that. And they're like, oh, what do you think about it? And you're like, Oh, I don't really remember much about it. That's Morbius, in my opinion, where I just sat there and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I and that's what to our to our entry to this episode. I certainly went to the cinema. I certainly got some pretzel bites and some popcorn. And I definitely sat down and watched something. That's really all I can say. It was fine enough. It wasn't like so bad. You're remembering every bad thing. But it wasn't good that you're walking out and you're like, wow, I got to tell everybody about how great this film is. It was no No Way Home, that's for sure. <laughs> it was no anything. Like, honestly, even like, and this isn't to diss Iron Man's, but we, I think we can agree Iron Man, some of the films were not the best. Three, specifically. Yeah, like, you can walk out of there and still be like, well, at least I saw a film. Yeah. Even, dare I say, The Incredible Hulk. Like, I was like, at least something happened. <laughs> And listen, I give Sony a lot of credit for trying a little different of a formula in some ways. They they did a very similar formula in other ways, and we'll get to that then. But the whole, like, we were a little thrown off by how he becomes Morbius. So I'll give them that. I will give that we jump right into the film versus, like, the lead up. However, I also think that worked against them. I think it was a good attempt, but it worked against them for this film. I think we needed the lead up prior to him, you know, doing Mr. Bat thing, just because it was kind of like, why are we here? And then it was like, oh, okay, wait, now we're getting the backstory. Yeah. And now we're back. So, like, that, like I said, I give him the credit for trying to switch it up there. It didn't necessarily work, but I give him that credit. Fair. And then everything else became just predictable and poorly CGI'd. Yeah. I think my biggest qualm is that every single major plot point was in the trailer. Yeah. Like, the fact that they had a scene where Matt Smith is walking in the subway station. Granted, he no longer, they had CGI'd, or they had removed the CGI of him having kind of the vampire face. So they hit it that way. But the second he walked on screen in the crutches as the best friend grown up, Milo, I was like, oh, so he's the antagonist. Yeah. Like, immediately, 10 minutes into the film or 15 minutes or whatever, I was like, oh, so now I know who the antagonist is. He's clearly going to take the serum. The big reveal wasn't a reveal because you showed it in the trailer. Like, same thing. The end credit scene was in the trailer. I don't understand why they thought that was effective marketing because all they did was spoil the quote-unquote big reveal of the show. Or, sorry, the show. The I'm still in Moon Knight mode a little bit. But the big reveal of the movie. And then it was just basically, like, 30 minutes of the antagonist and protagonist fighting. But, like, the whole idea of like the reveal being it was the best friend i was like one that's kind of cliched and played out and two you gave it to me at the beginning from the first trailer you know you know and loyal listeners know i love being right (laughs) however i don't like knowing my entire movie plot and for proof go ahead go ahead back to the blog post the predictions blog post for this and i write i said well the scene from the trailer with the two kids in the room, uh, in the ho- what looks like a hospital. In Greece. 
Yeah. It was like, well, at the time, you know, you don't really, we didn't have all that information. Yes. I was like, I'm going to have to assume it's the best friend. I'm going to have to assume there's going to be beef because Michael Morbius makes himself into the vampire and there's a whole issue because obviously he is technically cured of the actual disease he had, but obviously created more of an issue. I said, he's clearly not going to fight a man who's using crutches, so the best friend's going to take it and they're going to have an argument, they're going to fight. And because it's it's also a Sony film, you have to assume it's going to follow the formula like Venom, where obviously Venom can only really fight another symbiote because that's really what only makes sense, which is why we're going on the third symbiote that we're going to have a fight for. So I was like, so yeah, it's going to just be two vampires fighting. And that took about 30 minutes maybe to get to, and I was like, yep, okay. So the entire plot is done. I know what's going on. Nothing else is going to really throw a wrench anywhere. The only thing I don't understand, which we can get into now, if you'd like to, we can push back in a second, is the girlfriend becoming a vampire. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was like, so you're setting up a sequel to a movie that, like, is definitely not going to get made. (laughs) So... I'm confused. No, I, I loved it because I even said to my roommates when I came home and I said, they were really both thinking they were going to get a second. Well, because you and I specifically <laughs> said in the our predictions episode that we did not think that any part of this movie was going to lead into a sequel because they did not have the confidence in this film that they had in Venom 2 based on the success of Venom 1. Yeah. We were wrong about that. I'll admit it. That's one where we missed the mark. Bold. But maybe we should have been right. (laughs) But here's my question. That opens a bigger door. Why does she survive and become a vampire and everybody else is just dead as a doornail? Well, here's what I think it has to go to. Is she drank his blood. Oh. She bites his lip. I thought that was hers because she was bleeding internally, but thank you for the clarification. Oh, no. She bit him. And then he, he like, actually fully, you know, like, bites her and feeds on her late, like, after. But she bites him initially. And she drinks his blood, which is how I think it happens. But I'm also like, we've never explained this. So now I don't know. Yeah. Maybe going into Morbius, I already had problems because while I fully am aware Morbius obviously exists in the comics, I understand that he's a vampire or whatever. The vampire trope has been played out about 9,000 times in the past 15 years. I've seen it. I'm tired. You can't give me anything new with it. I'm not going to lie to you. Twilight did it how many years ago? If you're a Vampire Diaries fan, you've watched it. If you're an Originals fan, which follows up with that, you've watched it. And as someone who's watched all of it, yeah, I've seen it. It's been done. Vampires aren't in anymore. I mean, that in the nicest of ways. So it was like, oh, okay. Now we're now the girlfriend. Yeah, that makes sense. We've seen that. And if you're uh, if you're a Vampire Diaries fan, you also know you've seen that nine thousand times. So you're just like, yeah, that that makes sense. That that just logically you, that was coming. Yeah, I will say I was surprised that they killed her because she like is like kind of I don't want to say she's his moral compass because I I think he has a, a strong sense of morals and ethics, but she's like she's his. He has a lot of empathy, too. I don't know. She's, like, the one person he allows himself to get close to that's not, like, Milo or the doctor that saves them. Yeah. Like, he obviously cares for the children under his care, and that's true, but he cares for them as a doctor would. Yeah. But, like, she is, like, the one person who's, like, his true partner in that sense. And so, like, I was kind of sad that she died because I was like, oh, man, like, uh." but then I was like, oh, so now you brought her back. So, like, now she's a vampire. Yeah, I don't know. It it kind of felt cheap. I don't know if that's, like, the right word. No, that could be valid. And I also think, like, personally, I was a little confused by their relationship. 
Because, like, at the beginning of the film, they're not a thing. And then, like, clearly this film happens very quickly. Like, it's not one of those films you could be like, oh, maybe a month's passed. Like, he literally is updating you about, he's like, day five, I'm down to four hours. Like, so you're getting updated consistently, maybe two weeks passed. And I'm like, suddenly, she's in love. But I also was like, you could tell she had, like, there's a difference. And I don't want to say that she didn't care for him when he was obviously crippled. However, the, she there was a fascination for her, and you could tell about him being a vampire. There was definitely, like, something. And you could just see she was a little off with it. And then, not even, like, in a, oh, you're a vampire, oh, I should feel a little weird. Like, in a different, like, in a fixation way. Yeah, like, she was attracted to the danger. Yeah. Which is another trope that's been incredibly played out. Especially in a vampire story. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, if you've watched The Vampire Diaries, you've watched Elena do it forever. Bella and Edward? <laughs> so, I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, and then Bella becomes a vampire. Elena became a vampire. And then that got complicated. But she became a vampire. Like, you, it's just vampires are not the same that they used to be. We've seen a lot of the tropes take place. And it's just like, so you either needed to do something very different. No, that's really it. You needed to try to figure out and do something different. Because it's been done. And the fixation with vampires, it has been waning. I mean, even the originals ended, like, a couple years back now. Yeah. and uh, But that's a, that's a fan base that's been going on for how many years, TV alone, let alone the books. So it's like, you can't even argue that, really. That that show was on, Vampire Diaries on was for, like, nine seasons. Then the originals on with five. That's so many years, you know? That's different. You had a devoted fan base. You already went into this without a devoted fan base. Because <laughs> even Twilight had a devoted fan base from all the books. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying people who don't read the comics, but, but like, I know people who read the comics weren't like, oh, yeah, Morbius, that's who I was looking for them to make a movie about. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm excited for Craven the Hunter, except I'm stressed because of what Morbius came out with. And do not do Aaron Taylor Johnson that way. I refuse. Well, because he was done so dirty in the MCU anyway, so it's like, are we really gonna, like, destroy this man in yet another... MCU-related film. Well, and at least, like, his character in the MCU was good. He, that wasn't the problem. They just literally killed him in a movie. That's what like, I mean. like, he was, like, introduced and killed in the exact same movie. Yeah. And then even when they brought in Quicksilver and WandaVision, it wasn't him. So, like, it's been done dirty twice by Kevin Feige. We love Kevin Feige. That's not a diss, but it's true. Yeah. Well, and so it makes me very nervous because this was certainly a Sony work. And unfortunately, you saw that. I mean, I thought there were some things that I thought were interesting. I thought, like, the way they showed him using his, like, the, I almost said sonar. Is it sonar? Echolocation? Yeah, okay. Sonar is, is, like, the human version of it. I was like, that's not what I'm trying to think of. I liked how they showed the echolocation and how how he felt the currents of the wind to fly. I thought that was really interesting. I was like, see, like, that's a way of doing this that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And I can appreciate that. But that was kind of it, you know? And even then, those were a lot of the less strong CGI moments. The one that got me so good in terms of CGI... I feel like I know what you're going to say. When he's lying back on the thing when they're about to do the procedure, and they Chris Evans first Avengered him, where obviously you know Jared Leto's built and beautiful, but he is supposed to look sickly, right? Because, you know, well, it's before Michael's transformation. Whereas Chris looked 
like an actual human being when they shrunk his body. Jared's neck is just so disproportionate to his head. I was like, oh my god, like I couldn't even, it was so bad. I was like, I can't even, I don't even know what to say. Honestly, I didn't even oh, notice that. That, to that me, wasn't I was like, at all what I thought The rest of say. it wasn't like egregious, except for the slow-mo parts. Those were bad. Oh, that, that, that's what I was going to say. Especially the part where he's where they're in the middle of their fight and they do a slow-mo where they both just like kind of back up and you see their faces or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, this is just... This is just yeah, bad. Yeah, I was not playing <laughs> like, the slow-mo at all. I was like, can we just have, like, a normally paint? Like, I understand they're moving super quickly because they're vampires, but can we, like, dial it back to, like, okay, they're moving at the size of, size, at the speed of normal people, not super slow-mo every single time they're fighting. Like, what was that? Like, yeah. I'm a sucker for a good, like, a well-placed slow-mo moment. I get chills every darn time. Yeah. But when you do it so often and they're not well-placed, it's, like, jarring and it takes you out of the film and it's so bad. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, you just reminded me of something because my brain went from, like, 9,000 things, but somehow ended up on a different thing. So When we were talking about something that never got fixed by the end of the movie and, and given a resolution, his thirst for human blood was never talked about because he was running out of time of just having the fake stuff. We never addressed what happened after. Yeah, no, it's a plot thread that just gets completely dropped. Because, like, I was thinking about it because, as I mentioned before, I've obviously seen all of the Vampire Diaries and Originals, and they live off of, they're okay with living off of just, like, the, the blood bags. Obviously, stuff will happen and they don't just do that, but usually, they're like, they can manage living off the blood bags. But then, like, when you make the whole plot essentially about how he can't and how he's running out of that, then what? We never we never got that in. Like, once again, that's something that you could just been like, he was fine with the blood bags. That wasn't really needed to be the plot. Yeah. Because once Milo took the serum, it just was like, oh, okay, we have the plot. Like, you didn't even need to put in the whole, well, I'm running out of time. But, like, you didn't need to have that in there. It could have been maybe between the amount that he had to drink or something, maybe. But the fact that they were like, well, he's running out of time before he has to use real blood. But then it's like, but then we don't address when the time runs out. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think my understanding was that he could use the real blood that was like the donation blood in the bags, but that what happens when he drinks the human blood is it like wakes up the more carnivorous inclinations. Because he says like, when I drink the red blood, like I want to hunt. So like, even if he's going to the red bags, like, yes, it will sate him and it'll be fine. But, like, the urges to actually, like, get the meal himself will still be there. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was weird because we never addressed it. And then, you know, I thought it was also interesting how he was, like, so sure he was going to take it. To, like, take his cure and kill himself. And then we also never addressed that he just was like, I'm going to decide to be a vampire forever. Yeah. Also, one thing I didn't understand in the final battle with Milo... So when he's... The bats? Yes. He talks about how he feels at one with the bats because of the DNA change. Milo had the exact same change. So why did they attack Milo, who was one of their own? Just because he told them to? No, I genuinely was thinking the same thing. And the only thing that was going through my head was like, maybe because he created a connection with the bats. I don't know. But I, I was like, yeah. Because I will say that's something I think we see a lot more. Like, even the... The way he uses his, the, oh my gosh. Echolocation. Thank you. The echolocation. The way he uses it, you see that he utilizes it more 
than Milo does. Milo uses the stronghold aspect of it. So I I kind of tried to write it off as like Morbius had just put more effort into learning the small things. It was like a, it was like a chess game or like something of that nature. It's like, oh, well you can strong arm someone or you could be playing in your brain and you're five steps ahead of them and you have the small stuff. Like five small things can equivalent one big thing. So that's kind of where my brain tried to equivalent equivalent equalize everything is just like I was like okay so he put more of the effort into understanding the echolocation and into how to use it and all of that so maybe he also was putting the effort into understanding the bats and being at one with the bats more and except because like you even you see him hang upside down a lot like a bat you never see Milo do that so it's like he accepted a different aspect of it versus Milo accepts the murderous hunt the power from it that Michael accepts the being of a bat more than they're just going to kill more than they're just trying to hurt someone or something he he accepts being one with them so I looked at it from that and so they respect him and don't respect Milo okay that's fair that is fair I was just sitting in the theater and I was like I thought it was weird though and it took me like the two days since I've seen it to sit on it and kind of really think about why it was different yeah but like you saw like Milo didn't even try to command the bats because I don't think he had the thought that he could do it. He never put in that effort. Yeah, whereas, like, you see the entire montage of Michael going through and, like, checking off, like, oh, I have this power now, and this is what I can do now, and, like, yeah, actually going in and spending time with the bats and being like, oh, I feel a sense of kinship with them now and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, there's a level of abuse, and honestly, what this whole movie reminded me of was The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I was thinking 100% of John. Mm. That is everything. Even down to the oval, he took the serum then and everything. But then it became the abuse of the power. Yeah. And that was the whole... I mean, and in in the film, or in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, he's actually seen across from two characters. And obviously, like, you see it quite literally. But also in, in who they are, the, the morals, not that Bucky doesn't have morals, but the morals of Sam and the understanding that Sam has of Captain America, and then Bucky himself being a super soldier, you see two people who represent the opposite of what John becomes. And so I had to really take a step back and I was like, yeah, you know, this is the same idea. And it all comes down to, like, Steve was a good man before he was the super soldier. A good man, not a perfect soldier. Yeah, and unfortunately, John had skeletons in his closet, and once he took that serum, became a monster for a while, and we see that. So I definitely, that 100% reminded me from the get-go, the way he was acting even, the arrogance of it, and just that, well, now I'm powerful. Now no one's going to step on me, you know? Well, now there's no difference between me and Captain America, or me and, in this case, Michael. Well, and two... And this is just going to go back really quickly to my whole point about everything being in the trailer. The whole line that he delivers, well, they need to know how it feels to live on the edge of death or whatever, or, like, have death hanging over them. A clear spoiler for what happens and his whole motivation. Yeah. But it's interesting that, like, he goes from feeling less than, like, the rest of humanity, right? Because he's, like, constantly on the edge of death to feeling that he's, like, the next evolution of humanity. Kind of, like, so similar. Like, John feels like he's less than the super soldier or less than Steve because he's not a super soldier. And then he's like, oh, well, I am 
I'm Captain America and I'm better than all of these people. So I thought that was kind of an interesting parallel as well. Yeah, no, I definitely, that 100% sat with me and I, I, I kind of was like, interesting. Because Milo was also annoying me the way John did. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> like, we're on the same page. Entitled. Yeah. But like, like I said, unfortunately the issues were, and I was saying this to somebody, it, it was like a check the box movie with the stereotypes you put in a film. I mean, even the, oh, the bad one killed the mentor. It was like, check. Oh, he went after the girlfriend. Check. Yeah. Like, it just was like, okay, we've been here. We've seen this. This is like when people sometimes complain that Marvel movies fall into a distinct pattern. This is my best example of like any, like almost like a counter argument to be like, okay, but really? Because let's point to this movie and tell me how it was different than half of Sony's other films that weren't, like, Tom's Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, even down to, and I was talking about this with my roommate last night, she didn't go see it, but I was describing it to her. And I was like, there's this scene with Matt Smith dancing in the bathroom Yep, that is so cringy, but it immediately reminded me of the dance that Toby does in Spider-Man 3 when he yep. has the Venom suit. And I was like... Oh my god, they literally recycled the scene from one of their own movies. Yeah. Well, between Toby's Spider-Man, Andrew's Spider-Man, and Venom, the two Venoms, I was like... There's nothing we haven't seen before. Yeah, I was like, was any of this unique? Like, we've seen everything down to, like, the most minuscule thing. Like, it stinks because... Once again, it's it's a writing issue, and it's once again a problem Sony never fails to have. And I think even Let There Be Carnage, there were so many issues with it, and people who really loved the first Venom were like, what happened? And that's fair. Because the first Venom was different. Yeah. It did have a little bit of, like, like, I think it was the first time they really went the... It's, it's almost like a buddy cop movie. Like, that's kind of how it reads. Yeah, it really is. No, yeah. And so for them to kind of take that route on it, I was like, that's an interesting take. Yeah. I like this. And that's why Venom did really well. And then they just went back to the same formula for Let There Be Carnage. And now they're basically going to rehash it for the next one based on the hints that we've gotten. Yeah. And then Morbius was kind of the same thing. Again, to your point where he's fighting a species or... A being that has the same, we're going to use air quotes here, evolutionary movement that he does. Yeah. Like, okay, so I've seen this before. Like, Venom was new. Now you just keep remaking Venom with, like, different characters and thinking I'm not going to notice. Like, no, Sony, I noticed. Yeah. Well, exactly. I, I Unfortunately, Sony falls into this trap a lot with the antagonist is just the exact same, just bad. And it's like, I understand but also, you can't tell me there's not someone else. Like, they use comics loosely. We know that from Marvel as well. And you, you, you need to. Yeah. Because unfortunately, and this is nothing against the comics, but there's so many of them and so many weird things that go on. You need to pick and choose things that help make one storyline make sense from years and years of, of writing. But it's like, you can create your own villain. That's not just the good guy gone bad. Like, you can create a something else to fight them. I think what is the root of the issue with Sony and what they're doing now, and 
we touched on how they're turning their Sonyverse into like anti-hero mania, right? They're taking all of these traditional villains and making them anti-heroes. Well, the problem in doing that inherently is that they don't have any antagonists that aren't Spider-Man or someone of their own species. Yeah. So it's like immediately your pool of potential antagonists is like, Reader, or readers, listeners, you can't see me, but I'm doing the inch symbol, is, like, this big. Yeah. Like, it's, like, you're not going to have the same level of options that a regular hero would have who has a pantheon of villains that they typically fight throughout different comic issues because, really, the main antagonist for most of these villains is Spider-Man. Yeah, but I can't... I Like, your argument's 100%, but you almost can't even argue that when we have an anti-hero such as Deadpool. It can be done. Well, he's different because he was created to be an anti-hero in that sense. Yeah, but but regardless, it can be done. And even with him being created as an anti-hero, it's like, then you create a new villain. Not the same thing we're seeing as the good guy. Like, I love the concept of Venom. He's one of my favorite characters and always has been growing up as a Spider-Man fan. But I cannot, for the life of me, I'm like... I love Tom Hardy, but I cannot sit through another Venom where he fights another symbiote. Yeah. And and that's the issue that Morbius is going to be become, because that's why the girlfriend's a vampire. That's what they were trying to set up, that she's the next uh, the next foe. Oh, I was reading it as now they can, like, be together, but... No, they're going to set... No, they'll set her up as the next foe, because that's, that's how it all always works. Yeah. I mean, no, that's fair. That's a good analysis that I missed. Honestly, though, even the way that they introduced her was the same exact way that they introduced who is it the new the new symbiote and I'm thinking I'm forgetting his name but it's the cop it's the detective oh like chaos or whatever. we've we've asked this question to ourselves so many times on so many episodes I think it's chaos I think it's chaos but they literally introduced it the same way yeah well it's the same way that Carnage gets his power by biting Eddie yeah but like I mean like even with the whole not even just that I was just meaning like the actual scene where it's the last scene of the actual film and they just open their eyes and you know well right I'm just saying not only that but the actual mechanic for transferring the power is the exact same way that they created the antagonist of movie 2 yeah so you're creating the antagonist of movie 2 the exact same way in both franchises yeah and then subsequently introducing them the exact same way in both franchises yeah it's like how many times are you going to run back this play before you realize people are tired? Like, the fact that we... I mean, yes, we were wrong about a few things. I'm not going to say we were perfect. But the fact that, like, I wasn't surprised in this film, I don't think at all, just based on as it went through, recognizing what was in the trailer and being like, here's the villain. Yeah. Here's what's going to happen. Now I know this. It's like, all right. Like, you didn't give me anything new and you spoiled your whole self before the movie came out. And after all that, honestly, at, at the end of the day... Just to summarize Morbius, because obviously, no hate to the people who put in work to this film, and and this entire episode, we're doing our job of, well, what happened? What is there to go off of? Um, And unfortunately, not a lot. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen multiple movies in the past few weeks, months even. This is the first film in a very long time, and it was only an hour and 22 minutes. But it was the first film in a very long time that I was sitting there watching my watch. I kept looking at it. I was like, oh my god, is this thing almost done? We were halfway through it. I was like, oh my god, we're only halfway through it. And that's bad. Because if you can't even hold my attention, that's saying something. (laughs) And I really sat there and I was like, when's the final battle? I want this over with. Let's just finish it. Because everything I've seen before. And I 
am deeply saddened because as someone who's also an Andrew Garfield Spider-Man fan, I've seen Sony do this again and again and again. And I just, they're keeping their head above water with Spider-Man and they're desperately sinking every single time. And they're trying so hard. And it's like all these characters could be getting done so much better by the people who where they belong. But Sony will not let them go because they know they've got nothing. And that sucks. Yeah. I will say just bringing it to, you know, that that reminds me of a more meta conversation that was happening late last year, I think, or before Venom 2 came out. So I guess like fall of last year was that if, you know, Sony's next two movies do tank, there was the rumor going around that they were going to sell off all the Spider-Man characters back fully to Marvel. Obviously, Venom 2 did okay. It didn't do great, though. No, it, it definitely got nowhere near the first one, both critically and just in the box office. And then Morbius is not tracking particularly well. There were tw- like 20 or 30 people in my theater on a Friday night, opening night. I got to see it a day early. There were five of us. An early showing on a Thursday of a film that hasn't yet premiered, and there were five of us. Yeah. I've seen tweets of, like, screen grabs of, like, you know, when you're going in and picking your seats, of four people in the seat. I've seen tweets saying, there's one other person in the theater with me. And we're talking opening weekend. Yeah. Normally, like, for example, MOM tickets come out on Wednesday. If you don't get them Wednesday, you're not seeing it Thursday night. I mean, obviously not this Thursday, but for the Thursday night showings. You're just not. So... Like, between what's going to happen then when it's going to be a packed theater across the nation on a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. I mean, heck, people are probably going to have trouble even getting in opening weekend versus there's two people in my theater. Yeah. So not tracking exceptionally well. I will be very curious to see what this means for the trajectory of the characters and whether or not they end up being sold back to Marvel just because, I mean, Sony has, to your point, just dropped the ball with so many of their characters that could... I mean, Morbius is an interesting character. Jared Leto is a good actor. Matt Smith is a good actor. There were... I mean, the cast was quite good. Yeah, it had nothing to do with who was casted. Exactly, exactly. But there's something inherently bad with the Sony writing room, or the writer's room at Sony, and... It's really detrimental to their films. So let's just give the characters and the honestly the cast the opportunity to make a decent film and give it to Marvel. Yeah. I mean, especially because, like, I'm not going to lie when I tell you, like, unrelated to Morbius, but related to the conversation. Craven the Hunter is one of my favorite foes for Spider-Man because he's just interesting. And that movie... With who I know you've casted, I don't want to see Sony do it. I really don't. Because I know that's a good actor. And I know that you're sitting there on a on, on a foe that hasn't been done. Yeah. So why is Sony wasting our time with creating these these foes, these anti-heroes? Because that's a waste. So was Morbius. These were two Spider-Man foes we never have seen on a big screen. And you will you just took the food right out of Marvel's mouth. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Because now it doesn't have the chance to get done. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a waste. And that's disappointing, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't say I'm surprised about anything. Like, I I knew this was where this episode was going to end up before I saw the movie. I had low expectations, and they came even lower. Yeah. When I got my ticket Sunday night, and there were only three other people in the theater, I was like, yeah, okay. I didn't even get my ticket beforehand. I walked in two hours before my showing, and I asked, I said, will I have a problem getting in? She goes, no, we sold four tickets. I said, all right. 
came back. I was the fifth ticket. There were five of us. Yeah. Well, I am done on my takes of Morbius. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. There is one more. One more thing. And it's a, such a small thing, but I thought it was so funny and just... It's a really good way to wrap up because I think it just shows exactly what is happening in Sony or at Sony. When they do the in association with Marvel, they do the comic reel, I which is from early 2000s Marvel movies. Yep. And not, I mean, obviously they're not going to be able to use the MCU footage, but the fact that it is so far back all the way, you know, years and years and years ago, I was like, this is represent is a good representation of the types of movies that Sony is making in relation to Marvel. Yeah. And I was like, this is a metaphor and this is the movie I'm here to see. Oh yeah. I mean, I will never move past, before I even saw the movie, I saw someone tweet. It was either a tweet or it was, like, a picture of the comment. I don't remember. But essentially, they were like, it was a 2005 plot. And I I was like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're not wrong. That is what we got. Yeah. All right. Now I'm officially done with all of my takes on Morbius. How about you? All good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on our little rant about Morbius. This one was about what we all expected. But on the the bright side, we have another episode of Moon Knight coming out this week. So good content coming our way. MOM tickets go on sale this week. So make sure you guys get them as soon as they are available because it's going to be tough if you wait even a day. And we'll be back at you next or this coming week, really, with another episode covering Moon Knight episode two. If you would like to keep up with all of our future episodes, please make sure to give us a subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. You can also follow our blog where we have extra content, extra information, and things that we forgot to mention in our episodes. And last but not least, you can check out our Spotify page that has playlists for the different shows and movies, as well as a playlist covering the music that is in MCU shows and movies and is available on Spotify. And make sure you guys follow the Twitter. It's Let's Talk MFT. That's for all of our personal theories, thoughts, whatever. Also, all of our new episodes and blog posts go up there. And we also retweet or like a lot of theories or news rumors that we are seeing just to kind of share them with everybody. So go make sure you're following that. We love to interact with everybody and see what your thoughts are. So definitely, definitely, definitely follow us for a one-stop shop. And, well, (laughs) I guess this one, Marvel didn't in this one blow your mind, but I'm going to go off of Moonlight. So Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it.